Welcome to CLASS, an official podcast of the National Political Education Committee of the Democratic Socialists of America, discussing the organization's political education curriculum and more. My name is Elton L.K. In this episode, we're going to be discussing an excerpt from Understanding Capitalism by Vivek Chibber. Let's get right into it. Welcome to this episode of the DSA National Political Education Podcast. My name is Dafna Tier, and I'll be your host. This series is accompanying our curriculum packet on the question of what is capitalism. You can find our curriculum on our website, education.dsausa.org, under the Resources tab. We're joined today by sociologist Sanjeev Gupta and economics professor David Kotz, who both teach at UMass Amherst. In this episode, we'll focus on some history, how capitalism came into being, and we'll define a little more how capitalism works. If you're following along with the readings of the curriculum, this episode is based on an excerpt from Vivek Chibber's pamphlet, Understanding Capitalism. In the pamphlet, Chibber explains how capitalism is a market-based economy. People all sell their products on the market, and they don't make them for personal use. Chibber argues that under capitalism, it's all about making profits and staying competitive. And this leads to some pretty serious tensions with the vast majority of us. And we'll be talking about why that is today. Sanjeev, start us off. Tell me briefly... How the heck did capitalism come into being? Like, what's the evil origin story here? <laughs> In the last episode, uh, you know, I was trying to th- uh, get us to think about our bodies uh, as basically an embodiment of uh, an economic system. And so continuing with that theme, you know, like all animals, day to day, we use our bodies to draw from or manipulate the environment in some way to make uh, what we need um, or want. And so all forms of labor are about bringing our physical energies into some coordinated activity with the environment around us. So as David, uh, you know, very succinctly told us last time, uh, you know, we have periods of history in which there are different ways of of doing this. So one thing you can do, uh, let's say, as a ruling class is you can establish ownership of parts of the environment and then set the conditions which allow people to, you know, make use of the resources to produce things. So that's one thing you can do. You can establish ownership over people's bodies. Uh, You can actually compel people to work in some ways. Uh, So what's new about capitalism and how did it come into being? So what capitalism did, uh, as as Chibber points out here, is that it destroyed the ability of large numbers of people to use their own physical energies to make the things that 
they needed or desired day to day. So in order to make those things, in fact, they no longer were making them directly. What they were doing was going to, in the stereotypical case of a factory, going someplace to literally sell their bodies, that is to sell their uh, physical capacities to the people who owned what we call means of production. And so that's capitalism's way of bringing physical energy, people's bodies into contact with uh, the resources. And so this is what capitalism did. It forced large numbers of people, uh, often by expropriation of uh, their land, uh, you know, everything from murder to indentured servitude, uh, you know, all of those things, basically severed the ability of large numbers of people to exercise their own physical energy to make what they needed uh, and instead sell pieces of that energy for a wage to someone else. And, you know, the original sort of phase of this in most societies that have undergone capitalism seems to be one of extreme violence. So that's another thing to emphasize and Chiba hints at this, but I think we should just be plain about this, that as capitalism is developing in most places, the origins of the process seem to be extremely brutal and violent. That doesn't mean it continues in, uh, in that way. So that's historically, um, but I will say that in each particular case, it is sort of an empirical question. You know, you have to look at each place and time to see how capitalism actually developed as a system. But the outcome is the creation of large numbers of people uh, sort of having been compelled to bring their bodies in contact with resources owned by someone else and sell, you know, that energy. When capitalism was first emerging in the world around the 15th, 16th century, first uh, in a stable way in England, the majority of the people had access to land and were able to support themselves through their own labor on land they had access to. And that's what uh, underlay the, uh, the, the, the resistance to becoming wage workers. People didn't want to become wage workers. Eventually, in, in mature capitalism, you just, you know, when you're a child, you assume that you're going to have to go to work one day for someone else. But this was a foreign idea a long time ago. And a lot of people still dream of being economically independent, but it's just not open to very much of the population anymore. Maybe, David, you can now talk to us or walk us through how capitalism works. I think we all know that capitalists want to make a profit, that they want to be competitive, but how do they make profits and stay competitive? And why is it so important that they stay competitive and make bigger profits all the time? To become a capitalist, uh, someone has to have a lot of money, enough money to, to build or, or buy a workplace, to buy the machines, tools, et cetera, materials that are needed to produce, and enough money to hire workers to work for a period of time before the final goods can be sold and they can get back what they laid out. But their aim, of course, is not just to get back the amount of dollars that they laid out, they want to get back a bit more. And that a bit more is their profit. But we can't understand the system by just thinking of a single capitalist, because there's always competition in capitalism. For every product, 
there are capitalists, uh, different capitalists vying with one another to make the sales and expand their market. And in order to do this, they not only want profit, they need profit in order to successfully compete. The way to survive as a capitalist requires finding ways to produce the product more cheaply, to produce higher quality products, and that takes profit. They have to reinvest profit in order to do that. Karl Marx pointed out the contribution of capitalism to human progress is that the competition which forces capitalists to search for ways to produce more effectively and cheaply, that that leads to increasing human productive power over time and the potential, the mass of people living better over time, although it doesn't necessarily deliver that to the majority. And that's where the problem is located. The driving force of capitalism is production for profit. And the capitalists will do whatever will increase their profit and enable them to outdo their rivals. Only some of the things they do are good things, like finding better ways to produce goods and services. But many of the ways that they are able to outdo their rivals and make more profit are bad things. If they can, if the employer can get the workers to work harder and harder, that will cut the costs of production. If they can drive down wages, that will increase their profits. Uh, if they don't spend any money to make sure working conditions are safe, that will increase their profit. If their products are uh, unhealthy, but it's hard to tell for a long time, they can make a lot of profit in the interim. And then there is the big issue of the environment. Some of the goods that capitalists use are free from nature, you know, air, water, etc. And nature is also used as a dumping ground for the waste products of production. And if a capitalist can avoid paying the cost of environmental damage, they'll make more profit. So the pressure of competition, which is often praised in the media for its beneficial effects, and in some contexts, competition can be invigorating in sports, etc. But in the economy, in a capitalist economy, it leads to many bad outcomes, including threatening the survival of human civilization due to the uh, effects of carbon emission, perhaps the most severe problem that humanity faces at this time. It is very difficult to get the good that capitalism can produce out of capitalism without getting all these bads. It's all, it's a package deal. And that's what we are being offered or told we're stuck with. One thing I'm thinking of uh, now is uh, our conversation about the good and bad of social media. I think most of us will agree that it's kind of amazing to be able to be in touch with people really all over the world uh, pretty much instantaneously. Uh, that has got to be a good in itself. I mean, and I say that certainly as someone who lives a continent away from their family, but I think we all have versions of this, which it's quite profound, uh, I think. Uh, and it's it's a historical first that so many people can actually 
be in coexistence in real time, even if it's a little superficial. On the other hand, the way it's being used uh, and all our concerns about data mining and most recently the focus on developing this virtual reality, this uh, metaverse kind of thing with some of these companies openly saying that, you know, for some people, virtual reality may have may offer a much better existence than physical reality. So it's almost like they're saying that, well, if you're if you're rich enough, you should enjoy everything that real reality has to offer. And for everyone else, uh, you know, you might actually be better off in this virtual world. And, you know, they say this without irony and as one more way to sort of make money off it instead of saying, well, maybe we should fix reality, you know. Um, so it is a tension, though you know, between these, what I would call an unqualified good, and then the same technology being used in these other ways. You know, another uh, problem that's generated on the bad side is that working people spend a lot of their waking hours at work. And what your life is like at work uh, has an important impact on uh, how satisfying your life is. That does not figure into the decisions that determine what workplace life is going to be like. Capitalist workplaces are designed to maximize profits for the owners, not to provide a decent experience for workers. And in those cases where workers build strong unions, they're sometimes able to force decent working conditions, but that costs more for the capitalists and eventually they will try to find a way to escape it, to move to a different part of a country where unions are weaker. You would think that in a decent economy, the quality of the products would count, but so would the nature of the work life that it produces for its citizens. Uh, and then another key problem is that competition compels what is called capital accumulation that in order to survive in the competitive struggle, capitalists have to get bigger over time by reinvesting the profits and building a bigger enterprise. And that requires selling more. So capitalism generates a constant drive to sell more and more goods through the market. Whether or not people's happiness is going to be increased or welfare is going to be increased by consuming more. So there's a constant war waged on the population to want to consume more and more purchased goods and services. And eventually, this becomes unsustainable given the fixed natural resources that we here stuck on Earth face. An economy really designed to meet people's needs would not be driven by endless increase in production, whether it benefits people or not, but would rather be driven by people's needs and wants, that would be a different economy from that of capitalism. Wow, okay. Uh, that was a really helpful discussion. I took away a lot from it. Your point about the drive to sell more, I feel like so often it's portrayed as like, oh, it's just about supply and demand. But actually they want to increase demand because then they have more supply. And anyway, it's sort of backwards the way that it's always talked about. 
So we, we covered some of the, the history of how capitalism came into being and then the pressure of competition. And even though it's praised, David, you said, actually, this means that people cut corners, they cut costs and at the expense of people and the environment. Sanjeev also brought up this question of how much it's advanced us. And that's interesting. We're, we're going to talk more about that in the next episode. I think this one, we covered how the evils of capitalism are maybe not the evils just specifically of people, but we kind of laid out how it's how capitalism functions. It's how it had to come into being in order to be. And then it's not up to like Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos being evil, but it's actually, this is how it works. And in the next episode, we'll be talking about the Communist Manifesto itself. Specifically, we'll be talking about Marx and Engels' understanding of class and class struggle. I want to thank Sanjeev Gupta and David Kotz for speaking with us in this series, as well as our producer Elton LK and our co-producer Jeff Baroyes and Casey Sticker, our sound engineer. Really appreciate you all. I'm Defna Tier, and I was your host. It was a pleasure to be here. Until next time. 